Hey everybody, welcome back to the 40 Fit and Fabulous podcast. It has been a year since I recorded an episode. I've missed you. Hopefully you've missed me. Let's get going. Welcome to the 40 Fit and Fabulous podcast. Join your host, Mark Slight, as he gets the best information, inspiration, help, and advice from the world's best athletes, performance coaches, and health experts so that you can look, move, and feel your best at 40 and beyond. Remember, it's never too late to live the life of your dreams. Now here's your host, Mark Slight. Given the year that we've all had, Staying on and completing more podcast episodes in 2020 probably would have been a good idea, but I made the decision in early 2020 to change a couple of things in my business. I took a lot of it offline, um, and I also decided to stop the podcast for a little while. Probably both not my best decision, given the year we've just had in 2020, but I've decided this year to bring it back. I'm excited to bring it back, and I have a few new things to talk about this time around because I've just started a YouTube channel. That's a little change in my business that's happened in the last few weeks. So I'm really looking to grow that side of my business. I'd love to get the podcast and the YouTube channel back up to a high standard where they were when I stopped the podcast a year ago now. Lots of you were listening in. I was getting lots of views, lots of comments. It was a really good little community. And I feel I must apologize for stopping it because I feel guilty for stopping it. I know a lot of you liked it. A lot of you like listening in. And it's been out of your life for a year, probably at a time when we could have all done with listening in and probably a time when we had plenty of time to listen in as well. But we're back now. And as well as apologizing to you, I have to apologize to my guest who's going to come on today, James Roberts, because we recorded our episode that we're going to talk about today in about May of 2020. And to be honest, I had the full intention of getting that out, restarting the podcast, probably about June, July time, talking to lots of guests, bringing on new guests, much like we did at the very start of the podcast. And then it just didn't happen. A couple of the guests that we had booked in cancelled at the last minute and it just kind of lost its momentum. And unfortunately, the podcast was put on the back shelf a little bit with all other things going on. And, And more than anyone, I think James is the one who suffered as he's given up his time for today's episode. But today's episode was recorded about nine months ago. So James, I'm sorry if, well, if you're listening, I truly hope you are listening as you're on the show. But what a great way to kickstart 2021 and to kickstart the relaunch of this podcast, which is now effectively season four of the 40 Fit and Fabulous podcast. And to kickstart that off with James talking about his journey. James, as you'll find out, is a two-time Paralympian. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about his journey, his attitude to health, to fitness, his views on health and fitness, and mine as well. And we're going to spend a little bit of time sitting down together to discuss all those aspects. And I'm sure if you're listening in, you'll love listening to the two of us chat about those subjects. Starting this podcast together has been a very strange experience because I've got so used to doing video, got so used to YouTube, so used to video editing that I've opened up my editor to to create this podcast episode today and I couldn't remember how to do it. I couldn't remember what button done what. I couldn't remember how to turn the volume up on my microphone. It's been a relearning experience most definitely but one that I'm really looking forward to. Like I said I'm going to record one podcast episode, one YouTube video every week minimum and I'm looking forward to doing that. Going forward the podcast and the YouTube video are going to be tied into the same subject. I don't want to just 
parrot back to you on the podcast what I've talked about in the YouTube video, but I do want it to follow the same theme. That way, each week, we've got two ways to tap into a certain subject and two ways to get help on a certain subject. It's also two ways for you to reach out and contact me. I'll be honest, that's quite easy at the minute. Lockdown has has frozen a lot of aspects of my business. So I do have quite a bit of spare time in my hands. So if you've got questions, you want to get in touch, you want to you want to comment on this podcast or a YouTube video, now is most definitely the time to do it because now is the time that you are definitely going to get an answer. So I've talked about the YouTube channel. Please, before we get into this and before I invite James onto the show, please go over now onto YouTube, search for Mark Slight. You'll find the channel there quite easily. It's still young. It's very hard to start a new project on a new social media channel. You know, there's millions of people out there creating YouTube videos and there's very, very popular people out there with millions upon millions of subscribers. And there's little old me just starting a channel. It's hard to grow. It's hard to get your content seen. But we're going to spend this year, 2021, growing that YouTube channel, regrowing the podcast again. So hopefully by the end of this year, they'll both be up where they belong, where they should be. And everyone watching and everyone listening will have a wealth of content to go through. So please do that. Please go over, find Mark's Light on YouTube, watch a few videos, like a few videos if you can, but definitely go over and subscribe. I promise you, if you like the podcast, you're going to love the videos. They're getting better week by week. I'm loving doing it. There's a lot of good energy going into the videos, a lot of good information going in. I think they're quite funny as well, quite informative and funny. Um, But that depends, I suppose, if you share my sense of humor. But please, if you could do that, that would really help grow the channel and it would be great for me. I really appreciate that. Now, that's five minutes of me waffling on. Let me go straight into this episode today. I'm going to introduce James now. James is going to come in and say we're going to talk about his journey. We're going to talk about his Paralympic journey, his health and fitness journey. You're going to find out a lot about James. He's an awesome guy. Please go and follow him, James Roberts, on Facebook, on Instagram and on Twitter. I'll put links in the show notes as well so you can easily go and connect with James on social media. And this is not the first time we've spoken. This is not the first time that we've guested on one or another's show. So there'll be a few times that you go and search on YouTube, you go and search on the podcasts. You'll find a couple of shows with me and James on. Hopefully you enjoy it. And without further ado, let's bring James on today. James, I'm sorry it's taken nine months, but here you are. Hi James, how are you doing? Welcome to the Forty Fit and Fabulous podcast. Oh, thank you, Mark. Thanks for having me on. That's great. It's been uh, it's been a little while. We've talked about having you on for quite some time now, and uh, here we are finally getting it done. Um, I've had a little break from having guests on the show, so you're actually one of the first guests for probably a good 10, 15 episodes, I think. So, what, um, what a I, good start. I'm honoured and privileged then. <laughs> That's me. Who's honoured to have you on? Um, so for the people who don't know you, let's, uh, let me give you the mic and let me ask you to tell us a little bit about yourself, about your history. Well, Mark, and obviously your listeners listening to the show, uh, I'm a transformational coach for fellow amputees, helping them lose 10 plus pounds. Uh, but also um, not forgetting, I think from a British perspective, we're not the best at being... Uh, we're too humble at times and and obviously to give some context to that before I became a coach uh, I was an athlete for just over a decade uh, and having the opportunity to represent GB at countless world championships and two Paralympics just to name a few and that's me kind of dampening a fire a little bit in terms of it's I'm happy to 
um, load the, and, pl- and come and give those plaudits myself to a certain extent, but not go to overkill uh, like that is um, stereotypical, maybe say American. And obviously there's no judgment to anybody listening in the US. <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. Though. The, the English don't, um, don't shout enough about themselves today. I mean, you've, you've played that down quite a lot there, but two Paralympic Games is a huge achievement in two different disciplines as well. Mm-hmm. Um, from memory, and I've not researched this since we invited you on, uh, your two disciplines were rowing first, yeah. followed yeah. by, I, I want to say basketball, but I'm going to say volleyball. Is that right? No, volleyball is correct. Oh, brilliant. Uh, my memory's not as bad as I thought. So, I mean, that's, that's huge. I, I think you should shout about that a little bit more. Just the two Paralympic Games itself is is a massive achievement, but to do it over two different disciplines, not many people have done that. Um, going back a step then, if you don't mind me asking, you, you said about being an amputee. Um, can you tell us a bit about that, how that came about, and what, what, uh, what it is that you've actually had amputated? Well, I'm technically, quote-unquote, not an amputee, but it's easier to, to, for, to gain probably trust from my community to kind of say, well, because from a physical perspective, be it from from pictures now because I was trying to, to visualize for people listening it gives an element of tr- authority to me because they can already see well you are one and the same from that instance and you know what the uh, the winning the, the the hard times and the good times look like on a day-to-day basis on on it's not all sunshine and roses to live with that impairment but to give some context to your audience as to what mine is uh, mine is called uh, a condition by the name of uh, femoral dysplasia so I don't have my femur bone which is the top portion of the leg and I've got a small tibia and also just talking to my mum about it I don't have a fibula as well or that we don't think that that's one there so I in the essence have got uh, everything on the left side that's controlling my walking is virtually the shin to, to actually move about. And then, and I think uh, also to compound that, I've got scoliosis. So I probably, through how advancements in technology, I'm being open-minded to kind of try different techniques with the prosthetic. They've developed, obviously, the leg I'm wearing now that it's a little bit more forgiving on my back and I'm actually utilizing my anatomy a little bit better so that I'm actually using both of my glutes whereas in in the past with my prosthetics I've used my back to walk so I've kind of swung the leg round to bring it and that brings enormous amount of um, issues with lower back pain and and what obviously I'd over, um, not overdeveloped back but my my musculature is very more pronounced on the left side versus my right. So you can kind of see where uh, my body's adapted to its overall um, changes in anatomy over the years. Yeah. Okay. Thanks for that. So when, um, when did you first start taking your sport seriously? At what sort of age did you think to yourself, I'm quite good at this and I could take this to a higher level? That's a great question, Mark. Um, I've never actually thought about that. At what age did I did I actually think about? Could I take it to the next level? I've always been sporty, probably from the the, the day, probably about five years old that I was first, maybe a little bit younger than that, maybe four or five, uh, given my first football kit by my grandmother. 
So I've always been very much one to be in within those inner circles of people that are like this sport, play this sport, and to a certain extent, probably at that age, obsessed with it and, and, and everything revolves around it. But in terms of answering your question more specifically, probably about 15 or 16, uh, when I was uh, thrust into um, the development stage of at that time within British swimming in terms of, well, I think we had a team meeting at my first camp and the parents were there as well. And they kind of said, well, you could get paid to do this. I'm thinking I get to do something that I enjoy and you're going to give me the, the additional emphasis of being paid to do it as well. It's like, okay, I, I would have, I would have bitten the hand off anyway to do it, to have that opportunity to compete at that stage anyway. And I think that was an additional bonus, but I had never thought about it. So are you going to get paid to do it? Whereas I think uh, if I give some context to people outside of the UK, we get lottery funding as um, British athletes. So I think it's a definite bonus and, uh, and it's something that I am very much appreciative of the athletes that have come, come before, be it uh, especially pre-96 with the Atlanta Games where Britain have its worst ever uh, Olympics. They people had to have a day job as well as doing their sport. Whereas I've come 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 into a uh, an, a period of time where you get the privilege of focusing 100 percent of the time on your craft and nothing else. Where, whereas I think maybe towards the latter end of my career, I forgot about that. And I think maybe some athletes nowadays don't appreciate the luxury that they have obviously not now in terms of lockdown but before pre-lockdown the luxury that they have that they can focus 100% on their their athletics and can put a little bit less emphasis on their either their academics or a Saturday job and they can they get paid to do it whereas pre-96 somebody had to have a nine to five job and then train around uh, thus around that. And that, that obviously I can't imagine what difficulties that would bring. Yeah. I mean, it, it flashes me back to my very first guest, actually, Jason Sklenar. And he was, he's the same sort of age as, as me. And he talks about when he went on his first Olympics and they would, they would share a VW camper van while they drive into events and they'd have to have time off from their job for that reason. And like you say, in, I'm 41 now and probably in the last 20 years it's been a, a massive change and as British athletics and, and Team GB has, has grown so has the funding and like you say athletes now they don't know that hardship and it's, it is incredibly hard to put that in context what it's like having a day job and trying to um, compete for your country as well which is which is demanding enough on its own. Um, just, I just want to go back to the mental state of the um, sportsman there for a minute because you sound very much like myself. When I was young, whatever sport I'd done, I got my first little snooker table probably when I was like six or seven. And from the minute I try a sport, I was like, okay, I can do this at the top level. Snooker, I'm going to be on TV playing snooker. Then I played tennis throughout my teens and, and I'm dreaming of Wimbledon and the, the top level that I can get to. I, I had trials... Um, for Northampton Town Football Club and, and right up until then when they said no, I was dreaming that I was going to be like a top footballer and I always had that vision, whatever sport I played, I was going to be the best at it, whether it be golf, tennis, football, didn't matter. Um, 
but then I'm trying to get into the mind of an athlete because I've just, I don't know if you've seen it, the last dance on Netflix about Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls. Um, I'm just getting to the end of that. And it's been a fantastic series, just even if you don't like basketball, to just get in the head of one of the world's top athletes. And there was a period where he quit basketball halfway through his career, really, and took up baseball for about two seasons and then went back to basketball. But they were saying that because of his mindset, because of him being such a focused top athlete, that he was doing very well at baseball. And had he given a few more years, they had no doubt that he would have made it to the top leagues because he just had something about him. He had that drive, he had that work ethic, something that all great athletes have. Do you think that's something that some people just are born with, something some people have? I mean, like for you to go from one sport to another, it's not necessarily that you're obviously you're good at both sports, but you're not, naturally gifted at both I wouldn't say but there's something about you that makes you work hard and you've got a certain mindset a certain attitude that you can transition if you'd have chose to do another two Paralympics you could have done that in probably two other sports because you've got that about you to commit and work hard do you think that's fair um I I obviously that's I think there's two questions that you're asking there Mark I think I don't think mine that's an attribute that I've had from birth I think that's an attribute that I've learned from being um other family members as uh, I think because of that um, different uh, what would you call it different eras that they've lived in and obviously they got they come with their own different hardships the the adversity factor does come you you do learn to be able to be adaptable to that so I think because of probably my mother um my aunt and my grandmother being the uh, role models that I had growing up I think because of the old school of uh, mentality that is probably thrust upon my grandmother's generation in terms of you kind of you either swim or you sink obviously the disability could have weighed me down and, and kind of oh I go into this victim mentality as oh I can't do anything now uh, and kind of go into a bubble Versus probably where I was brought up in terms of, well, okay, this is the hand you've been dealt with. Uh, obviously, I don't know any different because I, I don't see, I probably didn't see somebody similar to me till I was probably about 14. That somebody that's a similar disability and it's kind of, well, okay, I'm not unique. But coming back to your question, I think it was... I think it's it's a mentality of okay. I don't I don't know any difference. Let's run with it and see what happens. And I think it's it it is a mentality that you gravitate towards. So people that I surrounded myself with in early childhood, uh, in in primary school, elementary school, uh, were very uh, sport driven. Um, probably single minded to a certain extent because they wanted to make that. Uh, profession probably a reality a lot of the the the, the friends I had played football at, at, at a decent level so they probably had aspirations to play at least semi-professionally if not professionally so I think it is to a certain extent is I would say it's more a learned behavior because you're going to learn first and foremost from your parents 
then you're going to try and find like-minded individuals that, okay, I'm going to surround myself in a bubble in a sense of people that are similar minded in terms of their, I'm going to talk stoically now in terms of like growth mindset oriented as they're looking forward. They're not looking at, well, what's going to hold me back. And I think as a child, you are that way inclined anyway, in terms of you, you're very risk adverse, you're willing to try new things uh, and you're very adaptable. Okay. It's not worked that time. Let me try again. And I think it's only because of society telling you what you can and can't do, you start conforming the older you get. So I think, I think throughout uh, my sporting career, it was very much kind of a ladder mentality. It's like, well, let me reach this rung of the ladder. Oh, I like it here. What do I need to do to get to the next one in terms of be it? You're very focus driven. I was very narrow-minded, selfish to a certain extent, but I think as an athlete you need to be because you are very much uh, blinkered in your vision as using the horse on a race course analogy. You're focused on getting from the start line to the finish line and anything outside of that external periphery is a distraction that can kind of off kill to you and, and, and steer you down the wrong path. So uh, sports, I think even in the early days, I talked about when I was 15, 16, they talked about a pyramid in terms of you had your education, your sport and your social life and one had to give. So me being me, obviously I want to be a sports person. So that's, that's a no brainer. I'm still in education. So that can't go anything. It can't go anywhere. So what's got to give? So my social life's got to, got to go. So I think it wasn't until probably went to a university that I was more, a little bit more lenient with that. It's like, well, I need to, get a sense of what it's like to be a student to a certain degree, not go out every night. That's definitely something I didn't do, but periodically go out with, with socials with the sports. So, so, but then it would have been the early days of my university would have been swimming. So go out with them maybe once a month on the, um, the social Wednesdays that we had for sport uh, for that particular university or any universities in the UK. And that's something that's, probably throughout my university period went up. So I went up more in my final year than I did my first, but I think I had a better schedule routine in place as to I could prioritize certain aspects of my life, be it getting deadlines done with, with assignments, exams, when am I going to be away for training camps? All that was scheduled into a calendar. And I think, that's where I think once I've transferred over to coaching, that's been an easy thing to, to be able to transfer because that's something I did instinctively as probably somebody in my late twenties. It was I, it was something I had to get better at. It wasn't something I was born with, but I did actually get better with it over time. And I think this mindset of what well, you talked about, Michael Jordan transferring over from sport to sport, you do get. I think people and I'm going to say blanket statements a little bit. I think people get bored, uh, some more easily than others. And I think somebody put a, a quote out there, you lose attention after four seconds. So thinking, I think because of the advent of technology, I would like to think that people had more focus on a particular task 
be it 10 years ago than they do now because four seconds is nothing. So you're thinking um, from that basis in terms of an athlete's perspective, obviously it's repetition. So I think that the, the story be told that, um, what's the person's name? Uh, Jordan Harry, I think his name is, talked about, I looked on his LinkedIn the other day, is if you repeat what you're having to do as a task now, over and over again to yourself, it goes from your short-term memory to your long-term memory. And I think where I'm making this, the, the connection between that and sport is we do that so repeatedly over and over again, the same, we'll call it a time monotonous task because it does, obviously you don't need to really put any attention on it because it's so automatic, but it's become so automatic because we put so many amounts of hours in it. And obviously I, you could disagree or, or agree with the 10,000 10, hours. Obviously, you talking about me transferring from sport to sport, I would probably disagree with, for me, that uh, rowing and both volleyball were not sports I picked up um, until they actually were thrust in po- upon me. It's like, well, would you be willing to try these sports as your next career path? It's like, okay. It obviously helps having that support network around you. It's like, well, my mom likes this. To, to, well, I sell it to tell it a little bit differently. It's like, well, you could be very good at it or absolutely useless. But I see those as both positives, where somebody might say, well, okay, one's positive, one is negative. Whereas I think if you're in the right frame of mind, you're going to try it anyway. And if you're not very good, you'll do something else. Whereas if you were in the negative state of mind, I'm useless. I can't do that sport. I can't do anything. Whereas I think you're willing to try it. And okay, I was fortunate to be good with it with with both of those sports. But if that hadn't been the case, I would have had a discussion with my performance director. Okay, for whatever reason, it's not worked out in this one. Okay, yeah, that's interesting. That's very interesting. So just staying with the um, mental side, just quickly. Um, when you were doing your training for all these sports, <clears throat> excuse me, was mental health or or mental strength training part of your training in those days uh well it was sports psychology but i think it was his infancy and this is a discussion i had with an athlete on my show um what was her name sarah it's not good when you can't remember people's surname but i'll do it after the show i'll send you the link for that one and and she she said obviously it's part and part it's the same as now the physical the nutritional the mental component of it now for athletes in this day and age is the same whereas when i was competing uh, and i would say i'm not afraid to say this i was very much shoved it to one side it's like it was woo this is there's no there's no it can't be on equal footing with nutrition and the physical attribute the mental side of it but then as I've gone in to do sports science at university, I focused heavily on that in terms of sports because I was interested in terms of, well, where can I make these marginal gains? Because obviously the physical uh, and the nutritional, nutritional, obviously, as you know, as a coach, is probably mar- it's marginal, but it can have a greater impact on people's lives if they obviously change their habits and their behaviors, which is a mental thing more, more than anything else. Whereas the physical if you go from zero to a hundred for anybody not doing anything, you're going to, you're going to overkill it. Whereas we do it gradually 
we're going to see results and you're going to want to push the bound, the boundaries out further. Whereas with the phys- with the med- psychological, I always was in the mindset of we had sports psychologists, even in rowing, go to world championships. You're thinking, well, who's going to see the sports psychologist now? And I never actually saw him ever busy. Where, whereas maybe I didn't see the benefit of it. I always, I kind of saw it maybe as them being one and the same as psychologists and psychiatrists. Like, well, you know, we go to a psychologist, that psychiatrist, if there's something wrong. Whereas now you would probably see a psychologist for a plethora of different um, problems, be it obviously sport ones to try and get ahead of the issue uh, around failure, for example, or, or having a bad game and being able to ref- reframe that mental process that it doesn't even come into your thought process as to, well, what if I do this, 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 uh, for example, be it uh, score a own goal. Obviously, if, um, it was Trevor Marwad, uh, I listened to his audiobook. He talked about it as a baseball player making a mistake and he obviously verbalized that to a news conference that then happened they lost the world series so it talks about it obviously uh, negative self-talk can be i think it was between four and seven times more potent if you do it to yourself than somebody doing it to, to, to doing it to you so i tried to consciously think of it well try to catch myself or can i reframe my certain language that I'm using in a different way. And as I think as an athlete, yes, I had pessimistic ideologies at time, but I was very much upbeat or I would very much talk things out with other individuals to kind of dampen that event or situation so I could kind of, okay, I've got over that. Let's now tackle it and and keep moving forward. Whereas now I think as coaches, Sometimes you don't have a sounding board, so you are very much, you do regurgitate sometimes what clients are doing in terms of well, thinking bad. Okay, you don't have anybody to speak to, then you just project it even more. And I think if you do catch yourself doing it, you need to start questioning, well, do you really believe that, that thought? And then thus it doesn't come a belief. So I think at most from an athlete perspective, I had people that believed in me, but I believed in myself. So it'd be, if we use rowing as the example, I was never beaten on the water in my entire four-year career. So I think I had an utmost belief in myself that if trials went to the water, I wasn't going to be beaten. Uh, Obviously, I was okay with on land um, rowers like to use the quote that the rowing machine doesn't float, which is the case, um, that if I was beaten, as long as I'm in the ballpark within a percentage of everybody else, I'm okay. I'm not going to get binned. I'm there, thereabouts, and I'm confident in my ability that when we go into the water, whatever distance or t- what's say time for this one, because it's, uh, well, now the distance gone up since I left the sport, but at that time it was one kilometer, if you beat me by five seconds, 10 seconds, I can do the same on the water, if not more to you. Uh, and then at the end of the day, the final decision is made on that because whether or not you can make the boat go faster 
is going to be dependent on what you do on the water, not in the gym. So I think because I had the support of Welsh rowing, the coach, everything, every resource that you could think of was thrown at me to be successful in that sport. I could kind of see the same in myself once I made those gradual steps. It's okay, I'm eating away at these times uh, from year one in 2006 to when I left the sport in 2009, how it had evolved. And then thus since obviously the the boat that I, that well, the, the classification I was in, Britain winning the gold medal in, in, in Rio, I was one of the first people to kind of go on social media. Congratulations on doing something that I was unable to do. And I think I did take the, it was on the one hand, a bitter pill to swallow because it's like, well, I'd like to be in that position eight years prior myself, but that wasn't to be, but to be able to be uh, the building blocks of that program as to everything that's gone before. I think even the coach that I was coached by said on television, he, he, he actually um, thanked all the athletes that come before him for the successes to where they're at now. So it, it does bring, uh, an element of what would I use? You get the ploy, it's like a pat on the back as a uh, well done. But I think that belief in the program obviously stems from the Olympic program being so successful for over a what is it now, a 30 year period with the, the Jurgen Global being at the helm. So it's like, well, we haven't got that pedigree at the Paralympic stage yet in back in 2008 but british rowing is look is held to so high esteem within the rowing fraternity but i think on the stages it's going to deliver okay well, we need to do the same so i think you kind of go into the mentality well my everybody peers can do it why can't we why can't we and i obviously went from a media perspective as Played down, played it down a little bit. It's obviously externally a final would be would be nice, medal would be an icing on the cake. Whereas internally, internally camp, that wasn't the case. Obviously, we wanted the medal, um, but obviously the 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 final was a bare minimum. But you would play it down in terms of because I think media's in general will boost you up when you do something good but they'll tell the rug from under you once you do something bad. So they had nothing to work with because it's like, well, everything we've said in the press, we've lived up to that expectation. So I think if I put into context for people to kind of uh, imagine now, I think from a sporting perspective in my career, and there's only been ever one, one time since that event, I've been the most relaxed in my entire career. And that was the most important sporting day in my life was that Paralympic final. And I, and I, I was more nervous in the heats, the repercharge than that. I'm thinking, you're not nervous. At all. I, I guess because the, all the pressure had been lifted. It's like, well, we've done the minimum. Now anybody, any six crews have got an opportunity to win or get a medal. You kind of throw caution to win. It's like, well, I've got nothing to lose. The worst worst I can do is probably six but uh, I think we uh, the our game plan was to stay with a particular crew 
and they messed up the start. So I'm thinking, okay, what do I do now as the, as the, the um, stroke person of, that, of the crew? Because our game plan has completely gone out the window because somebody's bottled, not bottled it, but they've crumbled under the pressure. So I've kind of gone, well, okay, I can't stay here and, and wait for them to get back in the race. Uh, so I kind of said, well, okay, I've just got to do the best I can. And I think we were in outside lane. So it kind of, you're disattached now from the entire field with having that, that one person making a mistake. So it's like, well, we did the best ultimately they got back in the race uh, and they ma- managed to pip us by, I think it was like point, point 0.3 or point 0.2 a second. So it was about, probably about that much. Like if people can't see about, about three inches, three inches at the most. So it's for photo finish. But I think what helped me to, to reflect on the outcome and my family were very surprised because I kind of evolved over my rowing career. I was very frustrated year one. Year two was not the best. That year was obviously the, the beginning of my sporting career to that point. And I'm kind of gone, well, fifth place was the best we could do on it. The, and they were kind of godsmacked. It's like, well, how can you be accepting of that outcome? It's like, well, the best I could, the best the crew could have done. We rode the best ability. Obviously, I was a bit disappointed the next day because all the other lot of won medals. But I think in terms of, I was damned happier being in fifth place, being in that crew that finished fourth because they've got a lot of what. Well, what if we hadn't have had that mistake, misfortune happen? It's like okay, I finished fifth. It's still the fifth best crew in the, in the world and only I think 10 crews made it to the Paralympics. So uh, 12 crews made it to the Paralympics out of, I think up until that point, I think 24 or plus crews entered the world champions the year before. So to be able to be in that position and to lay the foundations for then being probably a mantle for that crew to probably be able to, okay, that's the benchmark that James and, all the others before him have put forward, well, we need to do better than that. Obviously, they've gone on to be world champion. I um, think where I was okay with it, and I kind of rationalized to myself now in 2016, well, because the boat is mixed crew, the, the woman that's in the boat now, she'd only been eight years old when I competed. So it's like, well, that's not like, she's not going to be the athlete she is now in 2008 so it's like well that was what that was who you were with that's the best you could do and you were probably something to latch upon to be able to improve upon so they'd probably be using reverse psychology because I know the coach did it with me so he probably would do like well to try and get a little bit more out of the individual you might say well this is what James was doing here 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 be it from a gym perspective on the machine just to be able to use that uh competitiveness with people got within them and to kind of well okay this person does slightly bit better and you get a bit annoyed it's like well i'm better than that so and you try and find that little bit more in res- well not necessarily in reserve but you something that you don't think you're capable of being able to attain yes yeah you do you need someone to uh to find something in you that sometimes you can't find in yourself at the, at the right moment um, I think that's fascinating. That's a really good insight into 
into Olympic life, Paralympic life, and um, and how you deal with the ups and downs. I think that's that's really interesting. Um, just before we finish, then um, this this obviously won't go out for a few weeks, but at the minute we're still in lockdown in the UK, um, as we have been for what two months now, two three months, um, and it's we've talked about the mental health. It's it's hard for a lot of people in lockdown. What advice would you give people that are still in lockdown maybe when this goes out maybe even we might be three or four months still in a various stage of lockdown I can't imagine in any time soon that we're going to go back to what was normal to us before I think it's going to be a long time before that comes back but um, what advice would you give to people for staying fit and healthy you know physically mentally emotionally whilst we're under such heavy restrictions I think it's the the absolute definite f- time to focus probably more so on the mental health because ultimately, be it you've got a certain extent of um, a sphere of where people rely on that mental health stage. You've got people that are frustrated, uh, people that are angry, and obviously you've got people that are sad and, and, and things like that. So I think, and obviously I was watching the news today as we're recording, with you being in England, me being Wales, Wales is now introduced that you can now see your family members at social distancing. So I think that's obviously going to help people's mental health, being able to see uh, their loved ones whenever they choose to, as long as they keep to a social distancing. We'll see whether or not that people push the boundaries of that now, but uh, obviously we're only human beings. That's what people are going to give and take anyway, because ultimately that's who we are it's like well if we're told to do one thing we want to do the opposite so i think we're kind of in that rebellious teenage stage or um little bit of a toddler stage it's like well you're telling me to do this i want to do that uh, so i think from that basis i think that's going to obviously help uh what you can probably do around the house is something that i was told from uh the mental health side of things is to kind of stay um distracted distract 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 so what well, i probably reframe that slightly differently so focus focus on something that is going to bring you an enormous amount of joy happiness that could be singing that could be playing the instrument um obviously exercise exercise is seen as probably the 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 polar opposite is it's, it's a help and it's a hindrance look to find enjoyment in, in, in it. It doesn't necessarily have to be what we quote, call, quote unquote gym, like resistance training or home gym work, whatever brings you pleasure. It could be walking, it could be hiking. It could be, if you've got a hobby for photography, I use that for somebody to, to get them out of the house before lockdown because their, their wife was a keen photographer. Obviously that hobby is the precursor you forget about their walking because it's, well, I need to get this particular shot. Obviously, we can't do that now because that's against the law. But being able to be a little bit adaptive in, in, in your scenario in terms of, well, I want to be able to do this, be inventive in, in terms of being creative in terms of your physical state. Whereas I think people are more inclined to be able to do that with the nutritional side because more and more people are cooking, they're baking uh, and they're experimenting with things like that. Do the same 
to do the same with with the physical side. I think it will bring you an enormous amount of joy. I'm I'm not probably all doing something similar. I'm not particularly focusing on for me in particular numbers on a scale. Uh, challenging myself to be doing exercise on a daily basis. If I feel up to doing it on that particular day, I will do it and I will stay in tune with my body to be at one with it. So if I only do the daily, well, okay, you can exercise as much as you want now, but the daily exercise now is more, not from a goal or achievement standpoint, it's a value that I want to upkeep beyond this. Like, and and get the satisfaction of taking in that particular moment from you know the sound of the birds, the the, the smell of the environment, be you know the flowers. The tr- this is obviously difficult when you got allergies, but um, taking in everything from a sensory perspective and just enjoying it. And, and and I think yes, it's frustrating that you're not be able to work, you're not be able to see your obviously your friends and, and family is difficult but you've got to make good of a of a difficult situation and i and i think and this is what i said to you before we started recording it's making a good out or bad situation yes it's not in an ideal scenario we would like to go back to normality as soon as possible but that's not possible because ultimately you would turn around and the shoe would be on the other foot if we were doing normal we were still in normality and somebody that you love died so you would be well why aren't we unlocked that so i think from a human perspective and i put a post about this on facebook but i worded it differently i don't think you can win and i we, we either have a lockdown and we can't see the people that i love people aren't happy or the early precursors of lockdown in the uk we stay as normal as possible and people die and then people aren't happy that way. So I think, I think people need to take it from a reflective state as you need to give a little bit in terms of, yes, your life is not normal, but it's in terms of, and this is making the context now of what I'm going to say, the future was never a certainty before, during, and after this lockdown. It was never a given. It's what we make of it in the present is obviously what we make the future. So we can't uh, live and cultivate in the past because that's what it, it's there. It's 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 memories. Yes, they're good ones, and that's where you could probably go back and learn from. But you can't ultimately live in something that's obviously past. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. Totally agree. It's um, it's a small price to pay for keeping your loved ones around um and just touching on the exercise there I, I i love the idea of doing something different listening to your to your mind and your body and i think when um, boris johnson came out first of all and said you can do one hour's worth of exercise a day i think a lot of people took that quite literally as we must kind of do an hour's worth and they think like um we must do a hit workout or we must do some yoga or we must have this blocked blocked out hour every day where we must do exercise and we must do like circuits at home or, or build our own gym and for me I moved house just before the lockdown started and I acquired an allotment and my exercise was digging over the allotment totally different to what I'd normally do I would normally be in the gym or I would normally be doing boot camps and hit workouts but 
going out and digging over an allotment uses muscles that I never thought I'd had before. And um, it's, it's great. You like exactly like you said, you're distracted, you're doing something different before you know it, you're out there for two, three hours, maybe. And the, the day's gone, if you like, and you've, you've had a great workout. You've been out in the sunshine again, like you said, you've smelt the flowers, you've been out in nature and there's nothing better for your physical and your mental and emotional health than doing something like that. So think outside the box and, and try something a little bit different. Um, just to close then, when the restrictions do end, when lockdown does end fully, um, I say it could be a long while yet, but what will be the first thing you do when you're given the freedom to do whatever you want? That's a great question, Mark. Um, I think the first thing I will probably do, sport probably go into some aspect of that, that with mine being now wheelchair basketball in the indoor sport that could be a lot 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 longer than be football or rugby that are kind of slowly putting in their own uh, pre- pre- preventative measures to to resume um that would probably because that's that was i think from a, a disability component you don't know how much that sport brings to so people to people be from a relationship standpoint social one and just the ins and outs of you are more uh, judged on your ability versus your disability. Everybody's the same. And it's what they bring to the sport where they're kind of judged upon. I know I think I did post about that a little bit a while back on my Facebook. And I think that's the case because your disability, because everybody has their own adversity to face with their whatever disability or ailment they're coming to the, the, the sport with, that's then a kind of banter point of view it's like well uh people will kind of say well you've got this wrong with you be i don't know sore thumb for for example sake well why why are you moaning when i've got broken my back so it does put things into perspective in terms of that and i think where it's been the normalizer for me and we talked about this before coming on was i set up that virtual quiz uh, first and foremost, for more for my mental state of being, because I was talking to our coach on Messenger, but just as a chat, as you normally would do in terms of, well, I'm struggling a little bit with my mental health. How are you doing? Uh, and he kind of said, I'm okay. I think it might be a good idea to do a, a quiz to get people together in a virtual room, or kind of in a room together to be able to, get that sense of camaraderie in terms of being able to see people for the first time. I think it was nearly two months by the time we'd done it. And to be able to hear, well, how he was getting over it on a day-to-day basis up until that point was going out for, I think I think it was big, long push, pushes, like two, three hours. But I think recently done a marathon in one day. Uh, just to, and that was his way of coping with not being able to see, I think, uh, family because his uh, mother's. I think she's still out in Australia because she went to go visit his brother, and she's not been able to come back since. So I think it's his way of probably dealing with not being able to see friends, teammates, family, and it's kind of um, an exhaustive state to be able to. Well, if I do this with exercise. I can be able to rest my mind and sleep at night. And that's only me using my, my own um, analogy of the situation. I, I don't know if that was the case, but to be able to hear somebody else saying, well, I'm not dealing with the situation 
as well as what I thought he was, and that was probably my own thought and beliefs and so I was onto that, it kind of leveled. It's like, well, okay, everybody's dealing with it in their own unique way. I'm not in it on my lo- at my lonesome of being struggling with my mental health. So I think people are dealing at it with certain levels and certain degrees as to some could even be worse than where I was at. And some people were there sleeping more hours of the day than they ever have been because they've been given that opportunity to. So I think it is listening to your body from that basis. And I'm starting to sleep more than I, I am I was before lockdown, but it's like, well, if my body needs it, my body needs it. I won't, I won't judge it for doing that. Uh, because ultimately, yes, I've got routine because I'm still working, but if I can give it a little bit of leeway, it's like, okay, you've not had a great night's sleep for whatever reason. Okay. You can have a few more. We'll get up and and go from that, from that basis. So I think it, it is, it is one, one, and I'll finish on this. It is a ch- opportunity to be looking more inwards to what actually makes you happy. And what, what, what is the, uh, and it's a book um, that I'm reading called The Big Leap. It goes into de- great depths in terms of not looking externally for things that bring you happiness. And it kind of asks you, well, what brings you happiness internally? I'm thinking, there's something there, but I don't know what it is. And that's a big question that I'm going to have to answer. But it obviously gets you to think, it's like, well, I'm up for the task of saying yes as to I want to feel that way. But I think when it does ask you a bigger question as to what is that specific thing that brings you joy inter- internally and it's not external that make you happy because obviously that's easy to be able to do that because everybody will have that. I think it, it is a good one to challenge people on. Yeah, it is. <clears throat> and like you say, we've got the time to do that now. Um, you, you know, your post today on social media, people said they didn't have the time before. Now we've got the time. Some people saying they've got too much time, but we've got the time to to look inwards and to find solutions. You know, if meditation is your thing, um, it's given me a lot of time to meditate on on certain things. That, like you say, you, you know, there's something inside you. You can't quite dig it out because you don't have the time normally. Now we've got the time to sit down and meditate, or just to think and sit in the garden and and just to find what the what the things are within us that, that make us happy. Um, and that's great. Thanks for that, James. I really appreciate the honesty and the advice. Everyone's going to love that. I know that. Um, but take care for the rest of lockdown, however long that may, uh, that may last. And hopefully you'll get out playing, playing basketball and with your team again very soon. Appreciate that, Martin. Thank you again for having me on the show. So there we are. That was James Roberts guesting on the first 40 Fit and Fabulous podcast of 2021. Let's really hope 2021 is a lot better than 2020. If we all put our energies in positive thoughts into this year, I'm sure. In fact, I guarantee it's going to be a better year this year. Thank you, James, for guesting on the show. That was amazing. Like I said before, I'm going to put the links to James in the show notes. So you can go down now, connect with James on social media and all his platforms as well. Sorry if my volume was a little bit low there on that talk. But uh, like I said, I've been a little bit out of practice with the podcast. So please bear with me. I'm sure by next week we'll be firing on all cylinders and everything will be back up to scratch. Next week, it's just going to be me because like I said, I'm going to mirror my YouTube channel. We're going to mirror the subjects. I'm not going to tell you what that is yet. For the main reason, I haven't decided what the YouTube 
video will be next week as of yet but i can guarantee it's going to be entertaining and informing please go over my links in the show notes as well to my youtube channel please click down find that go over like and subscribe to the channel be absolutely amazing i hope you're all doing well i hope you're coping with lockdown if you're in the uk and you are in lockdown i hope you're coping with that well if you need anything at all just need to chat reach out message me on here on social media via my youtube channel i will get back to you i absolutely promise thanks for coming back thanks for listening again i hope you stay with us throughout this journey through 2021 on the 40 fit and fabulous podcast and i will speak to you all again next week